right, we'll we'll start going here in a minute. Uh, next to me, this is Josh. Hello there. So I, Jonathan, see, I, I'm also wait, Josh. I thought you were oh, okay. You're both Josh. That's really confusing. If you don't care during the <laughs> podcast, whenever you want to talk to Steve, just call him Josh. That'll make things easier. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to JBJ Podcast. You may notice my voice is not Corey. I am actually Josh, also known as Ja, with me in the studio this week. Josh Stout. Hello. We're JDS. Uh, special guest host, Steve Campbell. How you doing? We're good. I don't know who you're talking to. And uh, our, <laughs> our, our guest this week is going to be Jonathan Brooks. Hello there. Did I pronounce that right? Brooks? Yes, you did. I thought so. That's how it's spelled. I don't know if that's <laughs> one that you can really mess up easily. I would have been sad had you got that wrong. Brooks. 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 Jonathan, this is Jonathan Brooks. I like how Josh introduced Steve as the guest host, in, but he didn't let him be the guest host. <laughs> like the host usually like opens it up. and I didn't want to put Steve on the spot like that. Oh, well, he's kind of a... Uh, shy guy. Well, then you're the guest host. He's just a guest. He's not. The, he's he's not the special guest though. I don't he could be a guest, Jonathan. <laughs> you could be the guest, Corey. Jonathan already feels like we're not paying enough attention to him. It's all good. He keeps sending me messages saying, "Talk to me more." <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jonathan, we, I appreciate you coming on. I know we were trying to book something like a year ago. Yes. Things weren't working out for yeah. reasons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Something came up, you know. Well, since then, you've put out 370 books. So I understand you're a busy man. Yeah, uh, around there. Around there. Honestly, though, that you're you're an extremely prolific writer. How many books have you put out? I'm at 30, if you don't count my box set. So uh, quite a few. That's quite a few. So yeah. How long have you been writing? Uh, my first book came out in 2017, at the end of 2017. Um, so not too long and i never wrote anything before that first book not even like a short story or anything and since then you just you can't be stopped your hand just keeps going pretty much pretty much i just love you know dungeon core the whole genre so um, yeah and that's that's why i wanted to have you on here because i don't at all but i like your stuff <laughs> oh well thank you <laughs> i know it's kind of sounds kind of insulting to everyone else but like dungeon core always kind of bored me everything else i ever read or listened to and then I started reading your stuff, and I really liked it. And I like that you do more, like you do the horror series with lit RPG and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, I really enjoy like those paranormal, um, you know, like those inv investigation shows. Um, mm -hmm. so that's kind of where those that came from, because uh, I always wondered, you know, like why are these, you know, ghosts or spirits or whatever doing what they're doing? Um, so try to kind of give it a, you know, kind of give it a reason, give it a. Uh, like a system of what how they have to you know act and stuff like that and then i went a little bit far and 
made the main character a serial killer. Um, so, you know, it was well, fun. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. You got yeah. to make it, you got to work to survive, to survive. You don't, you don't get that second screen for free. We all uh, know that. Yes. His computer has two screens. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. One is horizontal and one is vertical. You are correct. Wow. Man, that's the life of luxury. Have you ever heard of anything like that? <laughs> I've never heard of anything like that. I only know of one other thing in the world with two screens. <laughs> <laughs> It's my phone, not to brag, guys. <laughs> yeah, his phone's pretty cool. Jonathan, <laughs> was, uh, I mean, so you've never written anything and you just decided one day you were just going to do it. Was your first book good? Uh, I thought the story was great. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, there's so many things I wish I had done or improved. But, um, you know, I think it was a, it was a really good attempt, first attempt to, to write. Um, and I, eventually kind of uh re-edited it uh rewrote some of it when i put out the box set like a, a year later um but for the most part um i think it's a pretty solid story but you know as first first attempts go uh i could have probably done a little bit better but i think i've improved since then I, at least i hope so i would love to write and then I read something and I'm like, Oh, I could never write this well. So like, it's just, I'm out, I'm done. I'm not even going to try. You're kind of dumb. I am kind of dumb. <laughs> I did write one thing. I wrote some OC fanfic. fanfic. Your fanfic's I, not bad. Yeah. I liked it. You know, the OC is in like CW's OC or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I did a little lit RPG like mix. I don't think that, I don't think that you should be telling people that. That's no, it was sweet, man. I did it on air. <laughs> Millions of people have listened to it. You, you know, we did an entire podcast about the OC before <laughs> we started this one, right? I was not aware of this. Why am I associated with you again? You've got nothing better to do. <laughs> this is true. I actually, Jonathan, I don't know if you you knew this, but I have a strange association with you that I don't know if you're aware of or not. Uh, I'm probably not. Okay. So Dungeon Player, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's your first book. That's the one we're talking about? Yes. Now you got Sarah Colton to to narrate that one. Yes, I did. I know Sarah Colton. Oh, we had, we've actually done some work together, her and I. And when she was working on your book, she, I think she was no, she was finished your book, and she knew that I was involved with Lit RPG, so she wanted me to listen to what she had going on to see what I thought about it. And so I listened to your first book because she had narrated it. And gave her some tips and tricks on some of the things that I thought that uh, could really help her. And I thought she did a wonderful job. Um, that's awesome. But, yeah, she did yeah. a great job. That's uh, that's cool. how I kind of already knew about you and about this. I mean, aside from being involved in the lit RPG community, but but yeah, you got to start was... doing NDAs, Jonathan, or else Steve's going to spill all the beans. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, she He's sent me the book out. when it was already released. So it's not like I was. Not <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like I was getting anything that was super secret or privy to any new information. It was just uh, she had started getting into it and she's like, I'm doing this dungeon core thing and it's really interesting, but I'm not sure if I'm doing things correctly. Can you talk to me through this? And I had already been doing a few of those books. So I talked to her about characters and about how to handle stats and your book was definitely crunchy for sure uh, yes yes <laughs> so. yeah my books tend to be uh quite on the crunchy side of like lit rpg they do but you do it in the absolute best way where you hold the stats till the end like you're not just 
putting the stats everywhere. They're at the end of every chapter. Yeah, I do that um, uh, with like my station cores series and even my newer Dungeon of Chance series. I used uh, footnotes uh, for some of the tables and things um, so that you could look at them if you wanted to or mm -hmm. you could completely ignore them. Um, and I kind of kind of go over them um, in the text. But uh, for the most part, they're there if you really want to dig into it. Um, but I don't want to you know, shove it in your face and and make you look at them when you, you're not interested in those kind of things. Um, but I love it, so that's why I had, to, I had to put it in. So essentially, you just like writing stats, and then you put a story around it? Kind of. I love making uh, games. Like, I have a lot of different series now, and they're all different game mechanics. Um, there's some similarities in them, of course, but, um, you know, I try to make unique um, mechanics for each story that I do, each series, and... Uh, kind of go from there. So I kind of design it first and then kind of go make the story around that. That's very cool. Yeah. That is cool. So when you're building your, when you're building, so you, essentially your world, word, world building, I do narrate for a living. When you're <laughs> doing world building, uh, yes. essentially for you, that is your stat sheets. You're building yes. the rules and the magic system and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the precursor to your world building before you get into the story itself. Yes, I usually have a, a little idea of kind of the story I want to do. Um, and that's how I build, you know, do the world building, all the game mechanics. And then uh, once I kind of have at least a good understanding of what I want to do there, then I expand on the story um, and kind of plot that out. Mm. So you're an outliner? Uh, for the first books, usually I am. Um, so I have a good idea of how I want to start it and where I want to go. Um, and then uh, for the later books in the series, I kind of do a, a, a quick outline, um, just some bullet points of where I want to hit. Um, but I don't go too in-depth in it because I kind of um, let it go freely from there, uh, what they call pantser, um, mm -hmm. instead of like an outliner. Um, so I use a little outline, but for the most part, I just kind of I let my mind journey from you know A to B. Um, so I have a destination in my own mind. I just don't know exactly how I'm going to get there until I start writing so do you do that with your like i know you don't outline completely an entire series but like what you you outline your first book and you have bullet points for the next but when you're writing the first book do you know where you want the last book to end or is that something you work your way through i usually have an idea of how it wants to end like with um like my station cores series i wanted to make sure he got off the planet um, and that's kind of where it ended. Dungeon World, I wanted him to be able to um, kind of control his life, do, you know, and that way uh, it ended up he was kind of all powerful at the very end. Um, so I kind of have an idea where I want it to end up. Getting it there is the whole journey, though. Mm -hmm. I, remember when, stuff. I remember when we first started, like talking to authors, <clears throat> and it like blew me away that some people just write. They just like free form, just let it go, just write. And it's just like wherever the story takes them. And I remember like I was telling my girlfriend, who's an, an English uh, teacher, she she teaches like literature. And she was just like, you can't write a good book that way. And I'm like, I don't know. Read the books. And she's like, no. And that was it. <laughs> she's like, there's like the hero's journey and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's like you can just write a good story and you don't have to follow rules. But the all well, the greats break the rules. That's what I thought. But like Aaron she did not. Wrong. I don't know. She didn't believe There's me. kind of two schools of thought, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe, Jonathan, you know more about this. But 
From what I understand, the two more famous people in the fantasy world or sci-fi world that do this is Orson Scott Card is a outliner and Stephen King is a discovery writer or a pansy as you or pantser or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I prefer I prefer discovery writer. It sounds less people don't like the pantsy thing because they're like writing yeah. up your pants, but yeah. <laughs> I think there's I think there's merit to both of them. Um just for me when I think of someone who's doing something like discovery writing, their rough draft or when they're done their first thing, that essentially becomes their outline. And then they go through there. It's just a more detailed outline and they restructure things and they rewrite things or they, you know, change it around a bit. Is that something that you found with what you're doing? Um, with my first books, like first few books, since I was still kind of new at it, I did a lot more outlining and that was kind of how I did it. Um, nowadays, I my first draft is pretty much my final draft. I don't really, really ha- yeah, I don't have any more than that. Um, I have beta readers um, and I, I post on Patreon um, so I can um, get some feedback while it's being written. Um, but for the most part, um, my first draft is my final draft. Um, and I write not perfectly clean, but I write fairly clean so that um, as soon as I'm done writing, within an hour or two, I send it out to my beta readers. I don't even go over it myself um, unless there's something I needed to actually fix that I knew of um, and see how my beta readers like it really. Um, I mean, I guess, it, yeah. I mean, I guess when you're writing 60 books a day, like that's very good to know. <laughs> how many, how many books do you currently have in the audible queue waiting to get approved? I have three right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those ones, uh, hopefully it'll be out in april at some point um but yeah i have i think i have like another 24 25 books actual actually live but i'm waiting for three right now do you ever like i mean have you ever just like accidentally i I don't know how to say this like like you've established a set of rules and then i don't know you're just like right and then you just forget and you you break one of your major rules i guess that's why you have beta readers to point that stuff out but Yes, I've done that a, a couple times. I just didn't realize it. And then I've had beta readers like, oh, but in book two, you said this. And they're like, that is right. Uh, so I had to go back and fix that kind of stuff. Do you uh, fix it or do you do you fight them up? You're like, <laughs> well, actually, what, that was more of a guideline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I go back and fix it. Uh, usually I, I, um, I go check to make sure they're correct. And usually they are. Um and you know, it's just something that I completely forgot, but it's because I wrote it a year ago or so, and I'm on mm-hmm. book five, and it's on from book two. Um, so because I kind of um, change off between my different series, so um, I have like three, four series going right now. Um, so I kind of write one book, and then I write another series, and then another, and then another, and then I come back to the other one, uh, to the first one. So uh, sometimes I just forget. <laughs> I yeah. would go. I would Do go you... back and change book two to spite them. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, that would be a that would be <laughs> a little more difficult. Um, but I'd rather just change change what I've been writing, and uh, usually it's not too much of a change um, and difference, and uh, so it's not too tough. That's what I was gonna say. Has it ever just snowballed in like a major problem where you thought you just got your rules confused, and you're taking one series into this one, and then you wrote half a book with that and you're like oh shit i have written half a book uh and i accidentally 
use the main character name for uh, a different series for the one I was writing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then I have like different, um, I have a lot of uh, both male and female main characters. And sometimes once I've been, I wrote two series that have female main, main characters. And then I go back to a, a story that has um, a male main character. Uh, I'll, a whole but a bunch of uh, she's in there and hers and I'll have to come back and fix all that stuff. Well, you don't have to anymore. No, uh, no, it's just true. But uh, you know, just for consistency's sake. Do you find that you have to write in a different mindset when you're writing with for a female main character as opposed to a male main character? I, I do a little bit, um, but it's it's usually not too tough, especially since a lot of my stories are dungeon cores so there's not as much um uh characteristics that i may need to adopt for um since they don't have like usually a form um so i don't feel like they have as much uh, uh depth as far as uh physical characteristics or uh thought processes um cuz usually they're in a, a core form and that's what i usually try to concentrate on um and uh, either for male or female. Uh, so it doesn't really matter so much for me. Um, I, I, it's more about the experience as the uh, dungeon core than it is as a, a certain uh, gender. So what are you and saying, what? Steve? It's, it's not like the OC, where <laughs> men and women are very different. Uh, <laughs> it's dungeon male, core. Everybody's dungeon pretty much genderless, and they all do the same thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What All about right. what about your and secondary characters? Uh, as far as they go, when they're like you're all those human all females, yeah, yeah, those ones I have to be a little bit more uh, conscious and kind of get into the character there. Um, you know, depending on their gender. Um, but um, I typically uh, just kind of use you know my real world experience to to kind of understand that kind of stuff. Mm. All right, Jonathan, can you um, very succinctly? Explain what Dungeon Core is to uh, Josh's wife. Uh, sure. Uh, basically, Dungeon Core is the thought uh, of a, an entity, a consciousness uh, inside of a dungeon of some sort. Um, there's lots of different kinds. Um, and what they do is they produce um, defenders, some sort of monsters, creatures, uh, traps, anything to prevent um, the heroes, adventurers... Uh, mercenaries, whatever you want to call them, uh, from uh, reaching the core of the dungeon. Um, it's basically the the consciousness of a dungeon, and from their point of view. Huh. It's a tough game because you got to keep you got to keep the people coming back to eat their life force, but you can't you can't go give them too much. Gotcha. Yes, there's lots of different methods on how or and like how the mechanics of a dungeon works. Um, sometimes. Uh, the heroes or whatever only get uh, they only advance or they get loot or whatever uh, if they kill um, like monsters sometimes just being in the dungeon will help them uh, sometimes um, there's other methods they have to collect something inside the dungeon to improve and usually there's some kind of uh, mechanic of why they are going in the dungeon uh, in the first place and Jonathan draws on a lot of experience for this. When he was in college, he had a part-time job as a dungeon. And it helped him figure <laughs> out all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really did help, yes. 
write what you know. I get it. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Was that dungeon something like working at Blockbuster? Because <laughs> they feel kind of similar to me. Pretty much. You know what? What's funny is I worked at Target for twenty years, and sometimes that felt like a dungeon, especially in the back room, because <laughs> um, I was in logistics for like half that time, and. Sometimes you feel like you're going to get sucked up in those in the stock room. And um, <laughs> yeah, that kind of uses that kind of experience. Um, you know, there's some some order and chaos inside of those places. So retail is it was a, a, a very interesting learning experience. Is, is uh, writing your full time job now? It is. Yes. We're going to say it's got to be. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was about to say, I mean, we we got to assume that because otherwise you're crazy. If not, <laughs> I was going to be blown away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, blown away by how many books he puts out. <laughs> yeah. I did it for about a year and a half or so uh, doing both. Um, and then um, after a while I was like, I just, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, and I was making just enough to, uh, you know, kind of replace what I was making a uh, working retail. And, um, you know, I kind of gained for once I actually went full time, I was able to write more, put out more books, um, and do a little bit better there. And it, it really helped with my uh, writing, I think. Was it, are you sorry? I shouldn't, I don't know if I should be asking this. Are you married? Yes, I am. Did it, uh, did it take a long time to convince your wife that you should be going full time? Was that scary for you? Was it scary for her? It was, uh, it took about a, a week of, uh, convincing her that it's going to be fine. You know, <laughs> we're going to be okay. Um, let, me, let me just ask one quick question. Had you yeah. already quit your job during this week? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, not, not quite yet. <laughs> so yeah, that was a little more difficult. So it wasn't just, uh, we, we talked it a while for about a, a week and then, um, you know, I finally just, we 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 decided actually uh, <laughs> when I should <laughs> when I should quit my job and that was it. I, I feel like a week is pretty quick because I spent the last week talking to my wife about getting a new TV. And that's a <laughs> way smaller decision than I did it anyway. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. she said no, but that's a way smaller decision than quitting your job. Yeah, uh, we we we're pretty good at discussing things. So a week was actually probably a long time for us for discussing things. Did you How long did it take to convince your wife to go full time? Yeah. Um, You're still convincing her. (laughs) I actually, it only came down to, I think when I brought it up to her that I needed to go full time and she said, yes, it was about 35 minutes. Mm. It was well, not a long conversation. Maybe it's just me. Well, <laughs> well wife is, I mean, she probably makes a bunch of money. So, yeah, that was actually was a consideration because she was starting to go full time at her job and she thought she had enough to cushion in case there was a little bit of a lag or a lull in the switch. So that gave her a little bit more confidence to go. You know what? I kind of want to be the breadwinner in the family for a little bit. I'm OK <laughs> with this. And so, yeah, that switch that switch happened fairly quickly which was kind of nice. I have to ask though, Jonathan, as someone who's also gone from working a regular job per se, I was in, I was still a self-employed person, so it was not quite the same, mm-hmm. but did you find it different? Like, did you find it took you a little bit to get used to the concept of the idea of going from somewhere where you go into a job, you work there, you leave that at home, you leave that and come home to now, I assume you're working from home and having your productivity like there was was there a transition or an adjustment period for that definitely because um it was quite a bit different because 
yeah, I used to go in at uh, 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning, um, every, like, five days a week. And uh, I actually kept that, and I still do that. I still work at about 6.15 in the morning. That's when I start working. Um, and I work till about 3 or so, um, and then I work a little later in the day. But um, I took a, took a couple months to realize that I don't need to go anywhere, and I can wear what I want. Um, so, so you were um, still putting on uh, a, a target vest in the morning. Yeah, you know what? And I, I kept a lot of my of uh, my red and khakis, okay. and, and I kept a lot of those for a while, and I don't have them anymore. I was like, you know, just in case I need to go back for some reason. If this doesn't go, this doesn't work out. Um, but pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yes. So you have a, are you pretty good about that kind of thing, keeping yourself on task and having a good routine that gets you started and motivated and consistent on task? Yeah, um, it took a little uh, work so to figure out how I structure my day um, uh, at first, but now I have a pretty good routine, so I like... I do certain things right when I start work, uh, you know, checking emails and a whole bunch of other things before I actually start writing. Um, and then I write um, fairly consistently, consistently through the day um, until I uh, stop and I always stop around three because that's when, usually when my daughter gets back from school. And do you write 15,000 words a minute or how does that? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I uh, I average about seven thousand words a day. What um, the hell? Yeah. So um, it's about thirty-five thousand words, maybe less thirty-three, something like that. Sometimes um, each week. Um, so I release a book. I try to release a book every about five weeks. Is about what I've been doing for the last about two years. Well, here in a few months, I'm getting laid off. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing is, it's okay. Just write 35 books a day, and like you're good. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, pretty much. Well, do you ever get nervous, or have you hit that stage where you're starting to get nervous about coming up with new ideas or new concepts? Uh, not like yet. A million stories. I got a million stories in my head, and I have a little, um, uh, a little file. I have some written down um but i have i have not hit the hit the limit yet of what i can think of and uh i don't see that happen anytime soon so now i'm not trying to steal your ideas here but like you say you have this file of ideas how flushed out are they are they just like pieces of paper that say another dungeon core <laughs> <laughs> this one's blue <laughs> they're more concepts um of uh, certain mechanics is usually what I'd like to see because, like, so my newer one, like my Dungeon of Chance, I really enjoy the, like the the kind of gotcha kind of games um, with the um, kind of random chance of um, you know getting certain monsters and stuff like that. And that was a mechanic I really wanted to do, and that was in my file for a little while. Um, and I finally decided just to write it, and uh, I had fun writing that. Um, so yeah, a lot of them are usually based on some sort of mechanic that I want to apply to a dungeon and then the story evolves from there. Is there any specific like idea or just, or book series maybe that you've already completed that's like special to you or, or one that you're like holding on to and, and like waiting or just like you just have always worked on? Well, right now, uh, I think my, one of my favorite series is my station core series. Um, cause I really love the concept of kind of blending 
um, magic, like a kind of a magical fantasy world with, um, you know, science and technology. Um, and I'm actually this summer planning on um, expanding on that universe um, with uh, the next stage of the station course story. But I'm also going to um, tie in some of my other series, um, probably three of my other series. It's uh, I'm kind of going for a kind of a Justice League of Dungeon Cores. You're, you going. have a shared you. I didn't realize. It's I didn't a realize Cosmere, it was a shared universe. Brandon Sanderson Cosmere thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, technically they don't share the same universe, but uh, at the end of um, the Station Course the story. Um, he's going to have a kind of interdimensional drive. Um, that was kind of the main uh, way they got around. Um, and then, so I'm going to kind of, kind of combine my dimensions um, and have some fun, you know, introducing um, Milton from station cores to um, my dungeon crafting series, my dungeon fairy series and my dungeon world series is what I have planned. What wow. about other series, like other people's series? Have you thought about just hopping into those? I have not. Uh, that might be fun, but uh, not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not copyrighted, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's true. Um, but yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe in the future. But um, something I'd have to talk to some other authors about. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Until after it's published, they'll be like, hey, guess what I did? <laughs> <laughs> that might not go over too well, but we'll see. Now, speaking of other authors, you've co-authored books with other people, correct? Uh, yeah, just one. Um, uh, the author of Slime Dungeon, Jeffrey Loeb. Yeah. And how, how was your... I'm always interested to see how authors work together, what their dynamic is for how they decide who does what when it comes to their particular project that they're working on. Uh, for us, it was, it, was a, it was a new one for both of us to kind of collaborate with each other. And we had to figure out what we were doing, too. So... Um, what was easiest for us was to kind of divide up um, the different viewpoints. So you have um, you have Marston, who is the uh, what's well, Bio Dungeon. So Marston is the human, and then um, Progen is the dungeon core that's inside of Marston. Um, so I took pretty much um, after we kind of experimented with both viewpoints, writing each each uh, side of it. Um, I eventually took over Progen as my viewpoint, and then he has, um, Jeffrey has Marston. And so, did you have any yeah. situations where you were writing in one direction and he was writing in the other direction, and then you came together and you're like, what the hell? You have him over in Canada? That doesn't work <laughs> for my for my partner at all. Yeah, there, there was quite a few of those, but it was easy enough um, <laughs> since I didn't have any real action outside of the body. Um, I just had to apply what was being done uh, in Marston's story to um, Progen and Inside the Body. Um, we're actually finishing up the uh, book three, which is the final book in the, the trilogy right now. So hopefully that'll be out in April as well. Awesome. No, April's going to be another big month for you, like every other month. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you think that you would do another author collaboration or was this like a, yeah, that was a good experiment, but I think I'm good writing my 50,000 words a day on my own. Uh, it's possible in the future. Uh, I might even do another one with Jeffrey, but for right now, um, I don't have any plans um, to collaborate with anybody else. I have kind of a, 
set plan for the rest of the year, at least, of what I'm going to release. Um, so I'm not quite sure next year. Who knows well, what'll come up? Uh, I wrote a book, so just get with me next year. We'll uh, we'll write something together, and then Steve will narrate it for free. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm all about doing stuff for free. Hmm? <laughs> Steve's a good friend. He is. I appreciate him. He cuts my lawn for free. That is nice. He drives down from Canada. <laughs> Drive down there, cut the lawn. Well, because I miss lawn so much. All I see is white and snow. So that's I right. Come down in some lawn. It's worth it. Mowed my lawn yesterday. Yeah, I need to. It's starting to get tall. So I have to. I, don't even. Don't even with me. That's just not. <laughs> I have to give the obligatory ask, Jonathan, about your opinion between writing books or seeing your books in print as opposed to audiobooks do you find that you write differently now that you've had a few books under your belt go to audio do you listen to your books after they've been produced by a narrator uh, i do write a little bit differently now um after um knowing the challenges of audiobooks um so i try to cut out more of the uh, stat tables and stuff that I used to have or put them in um, easier to skip uh, places in the, the audiobooks. Um, Cause my first ones were just too, just a lot, a lot for audiobooks to, to kind of go over lists of um, different things. So I do write a little bit differently. I didn't change too much, but um, I try to keep it in mind at least while I'm writing. Uh, as far as the audiobooks go, I listen to, not the entire thing, because um, I can't listen to it while I write, because it just messes me up. Um, so if it's 10, you know, 15 hours, um, I don't usually have enough time to go through all that. Um, so I usually um, spot check it when they're either uploading it, um, listen to about an hour or so um, through the different chapters to make sure they're all, they're all sound and kind of consistent. Um, but for the most part, I don't listen to them except for when they come out, if I get a chance to. You know that you could do what Josh does and just put it on like times three speed. And then it just is like chipmunks. You can have it done in like a good 20, 30 minutes. It's awesome. Yeah. That's a good idea. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> that. That gives you a good chance to catch like if Steve narrated a book and he changed the main character's name to Steve Campbell. Because <laughs> he's yeah. done that twice. He has. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was appropriate to the scene. It just required a Steve Campbell. I mean, what else was it going to do? Hey, you got to do it sometimes. And they said, use your best, you know, use, use your best judgment on this one. So, yeah, they did. I mean, if the author says, you know, if there's something that needs to be changed, you can go ahead and change it. Well, I mean, clearly there needs to be more Steve Campbell in all of these lit RPG books. So I'm going to change that. What else would I do? <laughs> I agree. I agree. We have the ultimate control here. So, the, in a lot of ways, the narrator does because, like, you're probably not going to listen to the whole audio. Like he said, he doesn't have time to listen no. to all these audiobooks. So, his audiobooks could be completely different <laughs> from his written book. You wouldn't know for most of it. They do like the first two minutes of each chapter, and they just stop reading. <laughs> it's just dead silence. <laughs> there's there's a cough here and there. <laughs> and I've, I've it, had. I've had uh, sometimes when I've uh, listened to some parts of some later books in a series and I didn't realize that one of my names that I had written was pronounced a certain way by the narrator. And 
which was fine. It was just not what I had in my head. Um, so, but it was already in the first like three books. So I did. So you're listening <laughs> I, and you're like, who the fuck is Steve Campbell? <laughs> exactly. That's I, not I, how you. That's not how you pronounce it. But it wasn't at least the it wasn't the main characters at least because I usually hear that. But for like um, you know like secondary characters and um, you know characters that just show up you know once a book or something like that. Um, it, sometimes I just don't know how they're pronounced until I hear it randomly one day, which is so fine. I guess, I guess that answers the question of whether you send a pronunciation guide along with your manuscripts to the mm-hmm. to the narrator. Nope. Um, I let them pronounce it however they want to and whatever sounds good to them. Yeah. I make it really easy. I'm like, you just, just do what you want. And usually it sounds good. And, um, I haven't had any problems with anything. You never even thought to put a pronunciation guide in there and you're going to be doing it now. (laughs) No, I, I I did learn about that when I was first doing it, but I just realized, um, I'm just going to let them pronounce it however they want. Cause um, whatever sounds good to them is probably going to sound better um, when they actually narrate it. That's the way I see it. Now the you question haven't... is, does it sound better when you listen back to it and you're like, that is actually a better way to pronounce that name. I was exactly. completely wrong in my head. Yeah, because I could have a really weird sounding pronunciation for something and it sounds better a different way and I'd rather the narrator pronounce it so that they... Are more comfortable with it and it, it doesn't really matter to me how it's pronounced as long as as people understand it um and uh it's fine steve or do you not do you not ask the like if you run into a crazy name do you not like send the author an email and be like hey how do you want this pronounced i let them know before i even start the book that i would love to get their opinion on the pronunciation of all of those names because i've had the situation happen where they go oh yeah no low and it, it'll be totally fine and then i'm working on the book and they go Oh, that's not the way that's supposed to be pronounced. And it's like, well, I'm 15 chapters in already. You should have mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, I would never do that kind of thing. But uh, I have had um, a couple of my narrators ask me, you know, a few times how they think it should be pronounced. Um, and I just give my best guess. The seven consonants in a row ones are really, uh, it's like, what the hell? Do you hate me? Uh, yes. I've had some, like in Dungeon World, I had uh, Fred Wrinkle Mossering. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, he can just do however he wants to pronounce that. <laughs> the thing that I find interesting, and it's kind of, it's funny how it's a different medium from written to spoken, because when you see a word or a name, even a common name, written, it can look quite distinctly different than what it sounds like to hear it phonetically. And so I had an author who sent me a book that they wanted done. And one of the, the main character's name was West. And his super close sidekick buddy was Quest. Now, seeing Quest and West written visually, very distinctive. But having to say West and Quest constantly was, I was like, mm, I don't know if this was the best decision. Uh, I agree. I, I uh, Now when I write, I make sure I differentiate those kind of uh, uh, close sounding names um, so I don't confuse listeners because I I did that a little bit when I first was writing um, and I didn't even think about it because it looks different when you write it Um, but yeah when you actually hear it 
and I learned more about audiobooks and stuff like that. Because I never really listened to audiobooks before um, I started having them kind of produced. Um, so I didn't really know. But now I do, hopefully, a little bit more. And what made you decide to start producing audiobooks? Uh, I heard about a lot of people, especially on like Facebook groups, uh, wanting to know what kind of audiobooks are out there, uh, especially in the lit RPG genre, um, because there wasn't a lot at the time. There was some. Um, there's a lot more now. Um, but uh, at the time, they just, and there was very few Dungeon Core books that were on audiobook as well. Um, so I, I was like, I'll just try to do it. I tried to actually, I bought uh, a microphone and some other equipment and some stuff to set up a little studio for myself to try it out. And it did not work out well. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. Uh, so I tried. <laughs> do you have any of those recordings? We would love to hear them. Yes, we would. Um, I'd have to check. Uh, they might be on my other computer still. <laughs> Just, might, he just, might be really good, Steve. Watch out. Just yeah, send him over. We'll turn really, it into a podcast. That was really convenient. Uh, they're on my other computer right now. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, it didn't work out too, uh, too well. Um, but my uh, my wife actually does um, narrate audiobooks. Not lit RPG, um, but she does. She actually has her own studio in our house and uh, narrates. But yeah, I, I can't narrate, though. Oh, fantastic. Maybe, do I know your wife? I wonder. I know a few people. in. Probably in- not, uh, unless you know a lot of um, uh, narrators who do naughty stories. I know a more fair than number. You think, of yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does some of those. Um, does and she do it under like, a pseudonym? She does. She does. What's the pseudonym? Uh, she does. <laughs> let me share your that. Wife. <laughs> He's going to check with her before he starts exposing that kind of stuff. You can't put that on him right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how but, am I going to know who to listen to if he doesn't tell me? <laughs> it, you know, I, uh, yeah, one of these days, maybe she'll she'll want right. to share. But yeah, just because of the... Uh, oh, you yeah. don't want her to be... She's embarrassed that she's married to you. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yes, exactly. She doesn't want people to find out her husband's that nerd who writes the dungeon books. <laughs> I know. She calls them nerd books. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> makes sense. She's like, go go write your nerd book. And then she sucked a cock. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Was that something that you had to kind of get, get used to mentally, knowing what kind of books that she was narrating? Uh, No, because... Uh, she was actually really good at narrating those, so I'm I'm proud of her. Does that make it better or worse? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I think it, it I think it's better because at least she's doing that from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now don't don't be embarrassed that your wife narrates erotica. Uh, everyone <laughs> erotica right once in a while, right, Steve? So that's correct. That is one hundred percent true. <laughs> um did you uh did she start narrating before you started writing or was this something that she picked up after you started writing uh picked up after actually started at the beginning of uh, actually just before uh the pandemic um so it was like the december before mm-hmm. um so it wasn't because of the pandemic but that's when she had a lot more uh, chance to actually you know apply herself to it so that's awesome that is yeah awesome. when when I when we first started this podcast and started talking to narrators and authors, I, I never really considered how much time and effort and 
practice and just learning involved in narration. Um, I definitely uh, don't think it's for me. Mm. Your voice is horrible. I, it is. It is. <laughs> hey, they, say, they say there's a book for every voice and a voice for every book. So there's a book out there with your name just waiting to be on it. People, people got tell a, Josh he has a face for radio. Yeah, they do. I've got a really good <laughs> Jamaican accent, but that's about it. <laughs> It's not, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for that Jamaican accent to just pop right out there. No, it's no, no, no that's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, it's, not, it's not good. It's not worth it. Is that only three beers in that that starts to yeah. come out? Or? Yeah. Yes. I have to get drunk every time I do an audio book. <laughs> you are not alone, strangely, in that. I know a lot of narrators that are like, I need to get drunk in order to get this done. <laughs> you think that would affect the reading apprehension, but I guess not. Nah. Some some of them get better as they get more drunk. We had a uh, we played a drinking game one time where you we went in a round. I think there was five of us, and you you narrated until you made a mistake. Then you had to take a drink if you made a mistake, and then it would go on to the next person. So I got I got a bit better by the end of it. I got to say, and I was just close, just shy of three sheets to the wind. Because that I is the nerdiest I've ever heard, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, that's the nerd. Yeah, that is the nerd. You know what, Josh? How many drinking games do you play during your Dungeons and Dragons sessions? I don't because it is a game. You have you to don't focus. play a drinking game within a drinking game. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you just drink during your game. That's all. Yes, exactly. I didn't realize how many nerds were in this podcast. Now, how how hardcore are you on your on your on your nerding out during your dungeon core sessions? Do you drink mead only or? Uh, no, I uh, I don't really game too much i haven't gamed really since high school college really um i played a lot of video games though um but yeah i don't i don't actually i don't drink at all um so i don't drink i don't do any drinking games <laughs> is that a like just because you don't like the taste of alcohol or is there some other reason that you're not a fan of drinking maybe just don't like just don't like the taste i agree I'm with you on that. I have to work on trying to get my taste buds to work better for that way. Yeah, definitely. That's what you you got to train yourself to drink that unhealthy liquid, right? John? <laughs> I don't drink that. I like force I drink... yourself to drink that pee water that that beer is, and then no, I like while it gradually works its way. Into I, I mean, I like I like the taste. I just don't drink very often because I'm old now. It's expensive, and you're about to be unemployed. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's like you. You wake up the next morning and you got a headache and like, I'm just not about that life anymore. <laughs> so Jonathan, you, you still play video games or are you too, too cool for that now? No, I still do play games. Um, I used to play a lot on my Xbox, but now it's mainly PC. Um, right. Yeah. But usually um, I try to play on the weekends. I don't play too much during the week cause I'm usually working. Um, but yeah, I try to try to keep up with uh, a lot of different games on uh, the PC. I'm playing a lot of cyberpunk lately. Um, I don't know what else I was playing. I always go back to Skyrim every once in a while. And... Am, I the, am I the only person that plays Conan Exiles? Yeah. So, you know, hold on. I want to know. Because <laughs> Conan Exiles is the best, like... Not in, even good game. It's like the best MMO out there. It's not... I mean, I guess it's not good. technically an MMO, but... It's not fun. <laughs> I have never played it. I have never ever played it. It's a survival game. There's like you can have like 50 people on a server. It's it's good. 
I just can't believe no one else. So Jonathan, it. I just did, can't believe that these people that write books about getting stuck in video games don't play Conan. It just blows my mind. Did you hear I got the platinum trophy in a Astrobot playroom? What? Yeah, I got the I got the platinum trophy. Nobody cares playroom. about that, Josh. But I care about it. No one cares about it. They care about Conan. No one cares about Conan. Try it out, Jonathan. I got the PlayStation you like Five. Games. I'm really proud of myself. Don't. No. I'll have to look it up. Uh, I haven't actually heard of that, so I'll have to look that up. I mean, it's like a survival game. You've probably heard of Ark, right? Oh yeah, it's better than Ark, but it's basically oh. Ark. Okay, Ark is not good. I, right. I don't like Ark. Garbage game. <laughs> Conan is better. Conan's the best game ever made, in my opinion. <laughs> ever made? It is. Steve, what's oh, your right. vote for best game ever made? Steve's best game cool ever made. I, there's a. I don't, I can't. I, I have a hard time with that. People, my wife gives me a hard time always. And my boys are starting to get, get in on the action because they'll ask me, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? What's your favorite food or whatever? And I'm like, I, it depends on the day. It depends on what, what I'm feeling like at that moment. Picking a favorite is a nightmare for me. It's excruciating. I had a hard time. I panicked when I was in school and they had that like, okay, everyone go around the classroom and say what your name is and what your favorite color is and what you did this summer. And I was panicked because I didn't have a favorite color and what the hell was I supposed to do? So yeah, I have a hard time with that stuff. So asking me what my favorite anything is, wow. is just, it doesn't work. I didn't mean to drudge yeah. up such memories, man. Yeah. were traumatized as a kid. Little did you know that there is a dark side to this whole favorite person thing. My name is Red and my favorite color is Steve. <laughs> and the whole class made fun of him. Well, my favorite color is green, if anyone's wondering. No one's wondering. <laughs> my favorite food is chicken alfredo. Yeah. Chicken alfredo. Oh, that's a really good one, too. But How so old were you when you first tried chicken alfredo? That's not, this doesn't matter. <laughs> I was I was 19 and I had to make up for a lot of lost time. Now, do you have ch your chicken alfredo? Do you add bacon to it? No. And why not? He's a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist. A traditionalist. Is it made <laughs> like, with egg whites? Make an outline. Uh, fettuccine, alfredo, chicken. And then I follow that to the T. No variation. <laughs> no garnish whatsoever? My, my, my. Josh's favorite food is gorgonzola cheese. Okay, no. I mean... <laughs> Since I'm getting fired anyway, and no one ever listens to this podcast, I I smoked a fancy cigarette. I'm even going to be a little cryptic still. <laughs> and we we just like um, we were in Bloomington. We were going to like a, a comedy show. Hannibal Burris. No, not Hannibal Burris. Uh, but we just like stumbled into this place, and it, it turned out to be a really fancy restaurant. And I wanted a burger, and they asked me what cheese I wanted, and they asked. They, I like asked for a list and they said Gorgonzola. I'd never heard of Gorgonzola. So I had, I just was like, yeah, let's do it. Gorgonzola. It was the best burger I have ever eaten in my entire <laughs> life. But when I'm not high on fancy cigarettes, Gorgonzola is garbage. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> have but, you seen, have you seen the cheese sketch from Monty Python? No. Oh my gosh. Jonathan, nothing, nobody. No. You guys have to educate yourself. Go onto YouTube and look up the Monty Python cheese sketch and or cheese shop and uh, take pleasure in the fact that it was amazing how many different kinds of cheese there are um, that I, I was astounded. It's one, it's hilarious. John Cleese and Michael Palin do an incredible can job. We, can it's we really not funny. just like look up the Wikipedia for cheese? 
No, but it's it's no, it's not it's not just to learn about all the different kinds of cheeses there are. There is certainly some humor in mixed in. It is Monty friggin' Python after all. My word. This is this is just an infomercial for cheese. <laughs> These are the various types of cheeses that exist around the world. A PS. And Jonathan's over there scribbling cheese dungeon. <laughs> cheese. <laughs> cheese. Hey, that that could work. Yep. Oh man. Well, you could do that. Maybe do sort of like a comedy series. I where do. They go into a dungeon and they have to fight all the different kinds of cheeses. I, I feel like if, they get if, stuck if, in the melty cheese and start to get constipated and have bathroom issues. And one of them is lactose intolerant. Oh, wacky, I like where this is going. Wacky hijinks. Jonathan, are you writing this down? I am. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I feel like if you keep writing seventy books a day, mm -hmm. eventually you're going to get to cheese core. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you never know. You never know. Well, we're we're gonna know. We're gonna hunt you down. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But if you mention the podcast in that book, it's fine. We'll let it slide. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Actually, we'll I prefer if you mention the podcast in every book you write from now on. And your rewrites that would also be yeah. great. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll uh, I'll add you on to my back matter there. So, Jonathan, do you have any plans to see if maybe you could put any of your books into? like television or movie format i have not looked into that um i have something going on um possibly in the future with um possibly a video game mm. yeah so it's kind of kind of in the works but we'll uh nothing concrete yet do you think that your books would be better suited for a video game or a tabletop game they would work probably depends on the series really um tabletop game there's some people making some um dungeon quarter uh card games i believe i've heard um mm -hmm. and i thought those would be a really cool idea um but i think um video games if you've ever played some of the uh like dungeon keeper dungeons um those kind of uh games those ones are pretty much dungeon core games um which uh, are great they're wonderful do we know who wrote like dungeon core is a relatively new genre i guess yes jonathan is someone it. yeah is someone uh credited with the first dungeon core the first one at least on published on amazon i believe was uh jeffrey's um slime dungeon for by about a month and then a month after that uh kraut's was dungeon gonna... born came out that's the one that I would have figured was the first. Yeah, I believe it was Slime Dungeon was first by just a month, and then it was Dungeon Born after that in 2016. I can't remember. And you've been writing since 2017? Yeah, the end of 2017. Man. Yeah, I started writing because I had read every single Dungeon Core type story I could find anywhere, really. Um, and I didn't see one that I wanted to read. And so I decided to write it just to see, not that I, it wasn't like sometimes, you know, people are like new authors are like, ah, I could write better than that. It wasn't about that. It was, I don't see the story I want to read. So I'm going to write it. Like I didn't see the plot I wanted, like my plot was, you know, a dungeon core inside of a video game. And I hadn't seen anything like that. Um, so I wanted to, uh, write it myself, see if I could, and well, what, went from there. Genre, then what's your what's your next big idea? The next game changer? Who I don't know. 
who knows? I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, I do have some thoughts about some actual uh, lit RPG um, kind of game lit uh, stories. But for right now, I'm really enjoying the whole dungeon core genre. And we'll see how it goes from there. I feel like everybody loves superhero stuff. And I just cannot get into it. If it's got to be fading. If there's not a sword in the book, I don't want to read it. What <laughs> a sword? Don't. It doesn't. Well, okay, yeah, I'd be in, I'd be more into that. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Well, so, like swords. so what you got is you got this guy named Super Ultraman, right? Mm-hmm. His power comes from a sword tossed into a cheese dungeon. You in? <laughs> I'm into that. No. So hard. Steve, narrate it. <laughs> Done. Done. You don't even have to write a book for Steve. You just send him the, the cliff notes. Yeah, he'll he do it. I'll fill it all in. I'll make it all work. <laughs> It's all just middle stuff. It's not that important. Yeah, it's not. He just he just says Steve Campbell over and over. <laughs> I just rant and ramble for a little while, and then my editor cleans it all up and makes it into a cohesive story. <laughs> You're like, hey, I got your script, and it's just the word fuck 9,000 times. Is that right? That'd be a good book, though. Yeah, I would read it. I actually, I actually just finished um, recording. Well, I shouldn't say just finished. It's four books ago now. But I finished recording... Uh, Charles Dean's death death's favorite warlock and the amount of times he has no cursing in that book none but the amount of times I cursed while recording that book was significant like it was shocking um I actually had uh I had sent over a blooper reel to podium and uh and they (laughs) (laughs) they sent me back an edited version of it they were killing themselves laughing and they just all it was was shit, fuck, shit, fuck, shit, fuck, through the whole thing. And I was like, oh, wow. I did not realize I swore as much through that book as I thought I had. So great book, lots of fun. But it was, Charles likes to, he told me this before I started recording it. He's like, I like to challenge my narrators. <laughs> okay. So that would be scary prospect. All right. So we're, we're at about an hour. So we're going to go ahead and end it, Jonathan, so you can go back to your normal life. All righty. Which is not going to be as fun as this podcast, but you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. But it'll be it'll be okay. All right. Before we let you go, do you want to go ahead and plug yourself? Where can we find you? Where can we find your books? What's your address? Uh, you can find them on uh, Amazon. That's pretty much all I sell through. Um, I don't even have a website of my own. Um, working on it, but I don't have one yet. So Amazon, you can find it. Um, you know, I think Amazon.com slash author slash Brooks. Jonathan will come up with my author profile and you can find all my books there. Now, Jonathan, we usually, I know the guys here usually have a traditional way that they like to end the podcast. Can you do that for us? Well, I'm sorry. What was that? There's a traditional way that JVJ usually ends their podcast. Could you just do that for us? That would be great. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Go go ahead. That was fantastic. He just left. That was good. Guy yeah. gets us. He got us. He got us. That was awesome. That hey, Steve, I have to say this. Do you know who John Dickerson is? John Dickerson. The he, name sounds uh, familiar, but I don't know if I do. He's yeah. a journalist. He's on, uh, I think it's Face the Nation. Um, okay. He might be doing, I don't know. He does a podcast too. You, your interview voice, probably just your normal voice, You you sound just like him. You said something, and I was just like, who did I just hear? John Dickerson, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's not supposed to get out anywhere, so kind of keep that to yourself, okay? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All 
right, Steve. We appreciate you coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks man. for doing that. That was awesome. No problem, guys. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. You just need to get in touch with Jonathan Brooks. Brooks, he's going to have so many books for you to narrate down the line. I know. I was like, ooh, I want to work. And then I was like, I can't work with him because he does too much stuff. I wouldn't be able to keep up with all my other books that I have going on that it would just not work out very well for me. Well, I assume, can you like, can he just like get you on retainer? (laughs) You're just exclusive to him. Actually, I had an I had an author actually asked me ask me to be on retainer to do um, how many I think it was I can't remember how many it was a few hundred thousand words a month that he wanted me to do and I was like I can't I can't do that I have like twelve series that I'm already committed to and I can't just drop them all and do this so it unfortunately did not work out we just did one series together and that was it not to extend the podcast but now I actually have a question like when you start doing a book like you know it's going to be a series and i assume they want the same narrator for the whole series you have to kind of sign up for that like you have to be yeah. available yeah but it's it's something that was actually kind of a weird it became an issue last year um i had to stop taking books altogether about september of last year because i was i was booked out so far in advance and there were so many different series that i had going on that i was going to be in very serious trouble of not being able to do any of the any of the sequels and so i stopped taking on any new series and then i had five books in january and february that i was supposed to uh i had on my schedule to record sequels that were coming up and five different authors said yeah we're running behind so i'm not gonna be able to get that to you at this time and i was like okay so my entire january and february schedule lineup just was gone (laughs) And I was like, oh, "Oh, wow. Okay. So I can't just, it's, it's an interesting conundrum that a narrator has, especially in the indie market, because there's a number of authors and not all of them that will try out a series. And if the series doesn't go really well, or something happens in their life, or they have some big change, they either don't continue the series or what they expected to have done, they don't get back to for another three years. And you have to be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll have to have something else in the wings. So it does become a conundrum where um, even even this past, has it been last? It, it was just this past week, maybe two weeks, that I got, I had five different series that I was, that I, that, like I said, I was waiting for the books to come in. And then I got a phone call from, or a figure of an email from Podium requesting a series. And then Shadow Alley Press requested a series. And then, um, Chris Kennedy requested a series to be done. And I was like, these are all great series. I really want to be working on these. How do I fit these into my schedule? And so I had room to put them in because there were some delays. I put them in and then Penguin Random House called me and said, we want you to do a book. Now, thankfully that one was standalone. Um, But then I do that. And then I have all of this stuff booked up. And then I have all of my authors that were delayed. Ironically, almost all within the same week go, okay, we're ready. And I was like, Awesome. All right. Let's figure out how we're going to manage all of these books coming in. So, so I've you're been, working for Podium and like Penguin. He works for That's everyone. pretty impressive stuff. He He's almost as impressive as a guy on Spider-Man. So you're like, <laughs> you're like, so all these people are like, hey, I need you to record my book. And you're like, nah, I got to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got to do this. Well, I actually, I was rushing. I had to get a book finished. I finished Tower Climber 2 today. And I'm starting Towers of Heaven 3 tomorrow. So, oh. yeah. 
That's where it all began with us. Yeah, very exciting. So yeah, I have a lot of, I have some amazing series coming up with some incredible, incredible authors that I get to work with. I pinch myself constantly going, seriously, this is, this is what I get to do for a living, honestly. I, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy for you, Steve, that you're like so booked that you're having to turn people down. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> or not. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It's a different, it's a different kind of stress. Um, it was, a, it was, there's the stress of, I just need a book. I need someone to be willing to let me use their book or work on their book as a narrator. And then there's, okay, I have enough books now that I can choose which ones I want to do. And so the ones that you're like, ah, that is not really something I'm interested in. I don't want to record a book about dogs wiping their own butts. So I'll just leave that one to the side and I'll focus on these great ones. That sounds Uh, awesome. Yeah, send them my way. (laughs) (laughs) And And then now when I've hit the stage where I don't have to worry about the ones that it's just like they want you, they're like, can you do it for $25 per finished hour? And it's a 15 hour nonfiction book. And it's just like, no, I'm not interested in that. Um, Now I'm in the conundrum where all the books that I really like, there's enough books that I really, really want to do, or that I think would be fantastic to do. And I can't do all of those. So it becomes, which one do I have to turn down? Which one do I, you know, do I say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And, uh, and it's hard, it's hard. And it's a panicking thing because you're like, am I turning down the wrong one? What if that other one was going to be a better one? What if, you know, and so, yeah, it's, do you, it's do a you different kind of stress. Or people, I'm sorry. Do you do auditions or do people approach, just approach you? Um, I haven't, I haven't gone out to audition for anything. Um, like just kind of cold audition, trying to like get something in, uh, I don't know, two years. But I have had people who have asked me to do the book or asked me, say, hey, we have a new book. We're really interested in you trying it or doing it. Do you mind sending us a sample of what it would sound like? And that so in that way, it's kind of an audition. But they've already asked me. They're like, we want you to do the book. We just want to know how you would treat it just to make sure it's going to be the right fit. And uh, and so I've done those auditions before, but I've only I think I've only done maybe two of those. Mm -hmm in the last year otherwise it's just hey we got a book we want you to do or hey would you be willing to try my series and uh and i just agree or don't agree essentially so i know you're you're really busy you're really booked up but me and josh are working on something we want you to record it's about <laughs> the cheese dungeon you can fit us in right totally 100 percent. So i'll get i'll actually i'll, I'll delay right? towers of heaven three um okay. even though it's been it's i think it's been about 18 months everyone's waiting for it but I'll del- I'll put that one on hold. If you guys can get that manuscript to me tonight, I'll start working on it right away. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You you just accept outlines, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Chapter one, Cheddar. Chapter two, Gorgonzola. <laughs> that's a spicy chapter. <laughs> it's it's rated M, so yeah. Make sure you get that in there. Oh yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I'll make sure to I'll make sure to include all of that stuff in there too. If you could create some characters and stuff along the way, we would also appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, maybe like a plot or something. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, well, guys, thanks for letting me hang out with you. It's a blast. Yeah, anytime, man. Yeah, it was fun talking to you again, Steve. You really are kind of like when I look back and think about, you know, kind of how we got here and just like the start of it, you're you really are. Like, we had Cameron on, and that was fine. But he was super nervous, and he, 
you know, didn't really open up the way you did, but it was, your podcast was a lot of fun and that's why we kept getting more people on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad it's worked out for you guys. You've had some great people come on. It's been awesome. I listened to the one you did with Andrea. I listened to the one you did with Don. I've listened to a few of them. There's some really good ones there. I think about when I think about like, um, uh, great narrators that I, I I'm, is it Andrea, the girl that did, um, uh, wandering in Andrea personal. Yeah. Andrea. Yeah. yeah. Her that I, the wandering in was not really my favorite thing, but she did such a good job on that. That was She's incredible. Awesome. Her she, accent. She, I'm in her, awe of her. And guy was amazing. Hmm. Yeah, she is. She is one remarkable, remarkable talent. That's for sure. And uh, we're actually we're actually Andrew and I are going to be working together on a book coming up here very soon. So I'm very excited about that. Is it that cheese thing you were talking about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I uh, I told her that she can be uh, she can be Ilchester and she jumped at it because that's her favorite cheese. All right. Well, this is the real goodbye, Steve. It was was a pleasure. (laughs) You bet. Have a great night, guys. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, we're back in just to impress our very best friends. Your new theme song and questions that are the All right, guys, I'm going to start the podcast here and we'll get going. Are you ready, Jeff? I'm ready. All right. It's weird without Corey. It is weird without Corey.